Well, hello from Los Angeles, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. This is Michael Benner. Happy to be here with you again today for the Mystery School class. Today is October 7th of 2012, and we're going to do the second of our five-part mini-series called The Five Talents. Last week, we did the first talent, which is life's relativity and how to go beyond binary thinking that either or, black or white, everything or nothing kind of duality that dominates the minds of most of our friends and sometimes even you and me. And the more stressed and the more anxious we get, the bigger a problem it becomes. In other words, stress and anxiety, fear to nervousness and everything in between tends to cause us to go into fight-or-flight response. It raises brain waves, changes brain chemistry, does a number of things to help us deal with external danger, but we lose the very thing we need, the higher brain functions for problem-solving and understanding, for learning and decision-making. So we talked last week in the first of the five-part mini-series about how to substitute a relaxation response for the autonomic or automatic fight-or-flight response, because frankly, the brain doesn't know the difference between confusion and danger. It thinks any form of overstimulation or stress or anxiety, because it's so confusing, just might have some danger in it. So (laughs) it triggers fight-or-flight. And we tend to think in terms of everything or nothing. We lose all of the options, all of the alternatives, all of the shades of gray between black and white, or I like to think of the rainbows of options, all the different colors and variations and permutations and combinations. Well, today we're going to talk about another element of critical thinking, the nature of deductive and, in particular, inductive thought. Most of us are really good at deductive thinking, so we're going to talk about conceptual understanding today, or inductive logic, and we're going to make it really simple. I think one of the reasons we're unfamiliar with it is that critical thinking is often presented in really a difficult way. There are a handful of people who've done remarkable work in the field. Uh, Dr. Richard Paul is one. He's very well known. And if you Google critical thinking, you'll come across Dr. Paul's work. Uh, There are others, Linda Elder and um, half a dozen others who have really made major contributions. But frankly, their material is very complex and very profound. And it's good if you're a teacher especially at a university level, and you're trying to sharpen your skills. But uh, for the everyday person on the street, for the man or the woman in business or whatever the, the nature of your daily life and affairs, it can seem really intimidating. So we're going to make it really simple today. The core element of critical thinking is basically how to ask the right questions. I'm going to repeat myself. 
the core, the secret of all critical thinking, though it may seem really complex if you Google it or search it out, it's really a matter of learning to ask relevant questions, good questions, to question yourself, to question other people. Uh, I think it was Timothy Leary that gets credit for saying, question authority and think for yourself. That was one of the things that made him such a dangerous person. Question authority, think for yourself. Well, how dangerously democratic, right? And yet, that's what a critical thinker does. We talked last week in our first part, the binary thinking, the relative rather than absolute nature of things, about the bias that we have in looking for the one right answer. And that tendency to always want to be right, to look for the one right answer, often interferes with simple observational skills. We don't see what we need to see. It's difficult for people to just observe a situation that is new or different because they're busy looking for the one right answer. There's a great story about a teacher in a science class that had his or her students look through a microscope and describe what they saw. And half of the class was very frustrated and kept saying, well, what do we look for? Well, we don't know what we're looking for. Well, how do I know what I'm seeing if I don't know what you want me to look for? Do you understand the problem with that? The difficulty in life? This is the definition of the box that most of us live inside. This is the problem with teaching to the test. People are looking for the answers, and that can really interfere with simple observation and understanding of the bigger picture. And that's our theme for the day today. The second of the five talents, another aspect of critical thinking, is conceptual understanding. So we have life's relativity, things are not absolute. I'd like to say they're never absolute, but that would be an absolute. <laughs> things are relatively true. All truth is relatively true. Every idea or concept is true to a degree. I know that's tough for some people to get. It's even frightening for a lot of people. What do you mean? Nothing is absolutely true? No. And any philosopher can prove this, any mathematician um, working with geometry or trigonometry or simple math, you can prove the relative nature of things. Einstein proved the whole universe is relatively true. It's a matter of degree. It depends upon this or that or the other thing. Unfortunately, there just are no absolutes. And then the other aspect of critical thinking we're going to talk about today is conceptual understanding. You see, most of us are pretty good at half of logic, which is the deductive side. To deduct or to deduce is basically to reduce or subtract or take things apart, to go from general to specific. We do this every day. You go to a restaurant and order lunch from a menu. 
you're eliminating what you do not want to factor the menu, to basically break it down to a couple of things and then you choose from that. Just like balancing your checkbook, the same thing. You start with a balance, you subtract or reduce or deduce or deduct the checks you just wrote to arrive at a new balance. And so by eliminating what you do not want from a big set of possibilities, you pare it down, you factor it down, and this is basically deductive logic. This is our approach to understanding. We want to take things apart. Now, what we're not very good at and what we've had very little exposure to, and the other side of this whole critical thinking issue is inductive logic, which today I'm going to call conceptual understanding. The whole enchilada, the gestalt, the bigger picture. This is specific to general. And we're going to talk about this in the premium training that follows in about 20 minutes. So I sure hope you're registered, enrolled, all signed up for the premium training. You know, if you can't listen to it today, just like this program, it's streaming. You can use the same URL, and because it's tuition-based, the password, to listen at any time and even download a nice, high-quality, CD-quality audio version to put on your desktop, and then you can put it on your smartphone, your iPod, your iPad. You can collect this series and future programs. So enroll either for a single class, for a 13-week term, or for the deepest discount, a full year. And you'll be able to listen live or by replay on demand. Conceptual thinking, our topic for the day today in the premium training and also here in the free forum. I'd like to share a couple of uh, quotes with you, a couple of quotable quotes that I've pulled up. The first is from Aristotle, and I think it's very, actually all three of these I think are quite profound. That's why I'm sharing them with you. The first from Aristotle about 2,500 years ago, he said, it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Who do you know today in your life that can do that or that is willing to do that? And are you one of those people? Are you willing to consider a thought that you do not believe in? Can you turn it over in your mind? Can you ponder it? What about something you know is wrong, quote-unquote, and vehemently disagree with? Can you still ponder it? Can you turn it over in your mind and wonder about it and see, gosh, what if Michael's right? I mean, what if a Basic philosophy is correct in saying there is some merit of truth in all ideas, even the ones that make me uncomfortable, the ones I don't really like because they're at odds with my beliefs, even the ones I know are wrong. What if there were some merit of truth in that idea, some little kernel? What if it's 99% wrong? Could I find the 1% that is true and valid and has, even if rarely, some application in the world? Without accepting that idea, 
Can I ponder it? Can I reflect upon it? Can I, I like this phrase, can I turn it over in my mind? That's the first quotable quote I want to offer you today. The next two are from Al Einstein. He said, we can't solve problems with the same mindset that created recognition of the problem in the first place. We have to look at it in a slightly different fashion. And then following quickly on the heels of that, another Einstein quote, the formulation of a problem is often more essential than its solution. You understand what he's saying there? The formulation of a problem, you might call it the conceptualization, the ability to conceive of the problem. The formulation of a problem is often more essential than its solution. You know what he's saying there? That in many cases, the question is more important than the answer. Now let that sink in. Are you aware of that? How does that hit you when you hear me say, often the question is more important than the answer? Are you open to that? It's very likely you are because you're listening to this program, to this class, whether live or streaming or podcast, here you are listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I guess you like this stuff. And so you're probably open to that idea. Maybe you've thought about it before. Maybe this is something you've realized much of your life, but most people, it never occurs to them. And most people actually would resist the idea because, again, what does school say? Asking questions, you don't get good grades for asking questions. You're graded on whether you have the right answer. But one of the smartest, most intelligent, most scientific, creative minds, Albert Einstein says, now sometimes it's just a conceptualization, it's recognizing the problem and asking the right questions that is more essential than the solution. Asking the right questions, sometimes that makes the solution obvious. And there are many problems where the solution escapes us because we're not asking the right questions. This is our topic today, conceptual understanding. Again, the deductive side is elementary, my dear Watson. It's obvious. If this could not be the case, and this could not be the case, and this wouldn't work, and that could never happen, and we eliminate all these possibilities, well, then it must be the butler that <laughs> committed the murder or, or whatever. You see, it's elementary. You just break it down. It's eminently logical. That's deductive general to specific, take apart thinking. We're all really good at that. But what if we have a number of observed specifics and we need to find some kind of unifying connection? Like we have all the beads of the necklace, but we don't know how to string them together. We, we have a sense that these are all related somehow, all these little particulars, these details or these specifics. How do we find, how do we induce the complement of deduce 
How do we go from specific to general and induce a concept, a big picture, a gestalt, the, the whole thing? See, we're good at taking the whole apart into little pieces, but how do we put Humpty Dumpty back together again? How do we go from the piece to the whole? You see, how do we go from all the little bits to, hey, what is the umbrella principle that unifies all of these seemingly separated bits and pieces? And how do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about today, because the secret to doing that, and frankly, this is missing in most of the texts and instructions today on critical thinking. The secret to doing that is meditation, contemplation, thinking in states of deep relaxation where your thoughts are essentially suspended, where you can detach from the tendency of the mind to want to take everything apart. We think compulsively and perpetually, as we discussed last week and in many, many classes in previous weeks here in the Mystery School. We think compulsively and perpetually. We can't help ourselves. We don't know, most of us, how to turn it off. It doesn't even occur to us that there's a difference between applied thinking purposeful, deliberate thinking, like I'm solving a problem now, I'm balancing my checkbook, I'm trying to read this schedule or uh, figure out this map, I'm reading this book, I'm studying for a test, I got to get this report done, versus the mental drift that continues when you stop thinking, when you put the work down, push it aside, go for a cup of coffee, sit back, put your feet up, stare out the window, what happens to your mind? Does it stop thinking? No. That same mental drift, that same, it's called a stream of consciousness, but it's really a stream of thoughts, mostly irrelevant distractions, continues. You see, it was there trying to distract you when you were deliberately and purposefully trying to apply your thoughts. Everybody knows the tendency while you're reading to lose track of what you're reading and start thinking about something else, and your eyes keep moving along the lines. You may even be turning pages, and then suddenly you realize, wait a minute, I'm not here I'm thinking or worrying, often it's negative, right? About something else entirely. Hold on, I got to flip back here a few pages and figure out where I lost track of what I thought I was thinking about. Imagine, I have to go searching for what I thought I was thinking about. So that so-called stream of consciousness, which is really compulsive thinking, or the obsession, you could call it obsessive thinking, that's probably a better word. They're very related. Technically, an obsession is a thought that you have to think, a compulsion is an activity that you have to perform, otherwise you incur high anxiety. 
So OCD is something we all have to varying degrees, obsessive-compulsive disorder. We've all got it. To, depends on how much stress there is in your life. The more stress, the more anxiety, the more nervousness and worry and doubt that we have in our lives, the more obsessive and compulsive we become. And the more easily we are distracted, because really the brain's just trying to protect us from the potential for danger in all that confusion, don't you see? So we're distracted by this random thought stream when our thoughts are applied to a particular task. Then when we put that down, push it aside, stare out the window and try and relax a bit, it's still there. And even when you go to sleep, your mind continues compulsively, obsessively, <laughs> perpetually to generate thoughts, which you often remember as dreams when you wake up. Dreams made up of these thoughts and feelings that can seem very, very real to you. But you are not those thoughts. Those thoughts are distractions. And eventually we're going to get to the fifth talent a few weeks from now and talk about mindfulness. In fact, now that I'm teaching the five talents for the first time, I'm thinking I may change the order. When I take this to a live seminar in Los Angeles, and we're looking at doing that in the upcoming weeks. I'll probably begin with number five, with what I've been calling number five, mindfulness. Probably begin with that. And then do one and two as two and three, if you understand what I'm saying, the critical thinking part. And then four and five, I'll put, um, or three and four, I'll put as four and five. And that's the emotional intelligence. See, there's really three parts to the five talents. There's awareness. There's the critical thinking. That's two of them. And the emotional intelligence. That's two of the five. So awareness, thoughts, feelings. These are the three parts of the mind. And these are the five talents. Awareness. And then two of the talents have to do with emotional intelligence. We'll get to those in coming weeks. And then last week and this week, we're talking about the critical thinking part, getting past binary, black or white thinking, understanding the third way and the relativity of life, and then today, conceptual understanding. Sure, hope you can join us in the premium training. Why don't you close your eyes right now and relax, and let's take a look at this. Take a few slow, deep breaths and sit back, shoulders back, head up. Yeah, take a few nice, slow, deep breaths, and particularly as you exhale, create and sense a feeling of letting go and relax, because this is the secret to inductive logic, to conceptual understanding, specific to general. This is how you see the big picture. This is understanding the whole deal. It comes naturally when you relax. And little by little, 
Your emotional nature becomes calm. Continue in your body to feel the letting go, feeling very safe and relaxed. And as your emotions become calm, the mind quiets. Little by little, it slows down. And you can begin to see gaps between those thoughts. And you begin to watch the thoughts without being the thoughts. Just as you could right now turn your attention to the bottom of your nose and watch your body breathing itself all by itself. And you could take another slow, deep breath deliberately at any time, but you can also turn it over and just watch the breath without being the breather. And learn to watch your thoughts without being the thinker. And realize that Many of these thoughts are of little interest to you. They're not very important. They're just background noise. There, there is a random quality to these thoughts. Some of them have absolutely nothing at all to do with you. But you wouldn't know that until you really slow down and just watch them float by. Like sitting beside the bank of a stream and watching a few leaves floating on the water pass by you. And they just float by you like your thoughts flowing through you. And you thought they were coming from you, and that they were your thoughts, and therefore about you, but most of that thinking that continues perpetually has nothing to do with you. Let it go and learn to be the watcher, mindfully detached. And then to bring yourself back to the waking state, take a nice, slow, deep breath now, inhaling. Fill your lungs, hold as you peak, and as you exhale, ah, open your eyes, wide awake, back in the room, Feeling fine, energized, refreshed, all recharged, feeling better than before. So, join us in a couple of minutes at the premium training. It has its own URL, and because it's tuition-based, a password. If you're not yet enrolled, jump over to the w's.theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars, then premium training. You can sign up in about 60 seconds. 
You'll get the URL and the password you need on the thank you page, and email will confirm that. And we'll meet you either live or by replay on demand in the premium training. And we'll see you or talk to you, with you, and about you next week in the free forum as well at 1 o'clock Pacific every Sunday, also available by podcast in the iTunes store. Thanks a lot for being with us. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Better. So long from the Mystery School in Los Angeles.